All right, this morning we are dealing with the Ordo Salutis, the Order of Salvation. And uh, as I said in my prayer, the Order of Salvation uh, includes uh, our final state, our final status, our final identity. Um, we left off uh, with people laughing at my, uh, my, my beautiful uh, pictures here of the dead person. And um, the idea of where we go in worship is part of the process of God making us more like Christ. And, and so when we meet for worship, there are several things that happen, but it, it should always be at least three. And you should do this when you read the Bible. You should do this when you read the Psalms. Uh, there all should be three things going on. One, our thoughts and our intentions and our knowledge of God must grow. Uh, so you become a Christian and you're, you're introduced to God, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. And, and you are amazed at, that He loves you, that He saved you, that He washes your sins away. But that really is just the start. You think of it almost like a marriage. It's just the start. You thought you knew so much and, and then you get married and things start to happen and unfold. Or in the safety of marriage, stuff comes up and... Um, who is this person? Things about who you are. Our knowledge of God should grow. So when in, in worship, I speak to you about God's attributes. We sing about who God is. Our knowledge of our sinful state, the shortness of meeting the mark, uh, should also grow. That's why we have a confession of sin. Um, and our love and appreciation of what Christ has done and where we stand should also grow. So those, those three things should happen. Um, uh, I met with a couple that's going to probably join the church, the Pole Myers, and they're driving an hour to get here because they couldn't find a place that had a confession of sin. Uh, it's more than that, but that was one of the things. They're like, we just come in and we're just supposed to start singing and be happy and then learn a lesson. And I said, we, you know, we kind of come accustomed to this I come in to have my burdens relieved, to, to believe and, and receive and accept this cleansing work of Christ, uh, to fall deeper in love with Him. So sanctification is this process where we become more like who God intended us to be. And it is a process. So many of the things that we've talked about in the order of, order of salvation, if you look at the very front page of this, so many of these things are kind of immediate. Many of these things are done without our knowledge. We were predestined before we were born. We were elected. We were called. And when that moment comes where we're called, all that stuff happens at once. We're adopted all at once. We're counted as justified all at once. Uh, we're converted. All, all those things happen kind of in this moment for us. Um, but sanctification is then this process. And so I, I, I've drawn it out here of uh, this idea that uh, before Christ came into our hearts, before we were saved, we are called by the scriptures as slaves to sin. Um, that, that is a non-Christian. They are enslaved to sin. They can't do things that please God. They do things that are good in a human sense, but because God is not their object of worship, because things aren't done for His glory, they're not good works in the sense of an ultimate good work. So um, some, sometime when, when you are converted, 
then, then you enter this Christian life. And so this red line is really uh, the line of our sanctification. So sanctification really just means being purified, being made holy. Um, so it's, it's just a churchy word, but being set apart, being made holy. I like to think of it as, um, it's funny, I was telling Isaac about when I coached 10th grade, 10-year-old boys. We won the championship one year, 22 to 20. 22 to 20 for 10-year-old boys. We went 22 for 22 from the free throw line. <laughs> I don't know any team that could go 22 for 22. I had 10-year-old boys go 22 for 22. When we got that last one, I'm like, we, somebody's going to miss at some point. And, and we went 22 for 22. It was amazing. Not a field goal in the whole game. Um, I think of sanctification really as, as this process of coaching. And so maybe that's an easier thing for you to think. You've been, you've been brought into the team. You've been drafted. You've been given a name. The jersey is the righteousness of Christ. He's put that on you. And he says, you're mine. You belong to me. Uh, I didn't choose you because you could make free throws. I didn't choose you because we needed a point guard. I chose you because I love you. I know that, that you are a brick when it comes to shooting free throws. I know that you travel all the time and argue with the refs. I, I know that you try to use your arms for defense when you should use your feet. I, I know all of these things about you, and we're going to work on them because I love you. Not, I love you because you play good defense. Not, I sing over you and cheer for you because you make your three fro free throws. So sanctification is that process. So that's how I like to think of it. It is a coach. And of course, a coach at times is going to see something praiseworthy and say, you know, good job. Do you realize how you would have acted last year if someone said that to you? Do you realize what, what would have happened to you five years ago if you entered this situation, if this disease came upon you? Good job. You have grasped my righteousness and my love and my purpose. You're beginning to trust me more as a heavenly father. Um, you know, and, and we should delight in those. If you don't journal, I think journaling is just one of the wonderful ways. Look back four or five years and you'll find things you were anxious about. You'll find things you were afraid of. And um, so that, it's that part, but it's also the coach saying, hey, look at this video. I'm going to slow it down. You see where you should have been? And here's where you were. Um, you see where your feet were? This is where they should have been. You see how you, you see how your release of the ball... It, these things are wrong. A player that wants to get better, receives it, accepts it with thankfulness. They may get frustrated because all of us inside want to hear that, you know, the, the, the person cheering, you know, the grandparent who thinks their grandchild will never do anything wrong and should start, you know. Uh, we, we, we like that. But when we understand God's purpose for us is to make us beautiful in His sight, then I think it's easier for us to accept it. So we've talked about those things, and we got to the stages of justification. We went through that, and we went through uh, this, and we came to um, number five. And in your email from the church, I, um, I, I would, of course, I've been thinking about it now for a few weeks since I, don't, I didn't get to, I didn't teach. Um, and so this thought, why would we study sanctification? Why is it important for us to go a little deeper, use words that we might have to look up? Um, it, it gives the Christian a life's work. 
I'm 58. I've found my wife. I've, I've found my job. I'm not getting any more degrees. My best basketball is behind me. My best bench press is about 30 years behind me. <laughs> um, I, I don't think I'm going to make much more money. Uh, our, our, our kids are graduated and gone. Um, you know, 58-year-olds, 60-year-olds, 70-year-olds, what's my purpose? What am I here to do? All the things that the world's put out there for me. You think that's why that the divorce rate in Grove in the in the 60 and 70 year olds is one of the highest? It's the highest in the state, and I think that's what happens. I think couples come and they've they've had this purpose and it's been good and it's tied them together and we got to get the kids through school. We got to run them practice. We got to do this 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 and and they haven't maybe even worked on their relationship. But there's nothing left. We're sitting in a beautiful house in the lake. Our retirement's taken care of. What do we do now? Well, let's go play golf. Well, we're, we're just not even going to get any better at that either. <laughs> but I get to use the gray tees now, right? Which again, in itself, is this, is this like symbol of loss and, and death. And, you know, why do you make them gray, you know? Um, so for a Christian, though, it's like this phase of life has purpose, whatever it is. This phase of life, and, and God is with me, guiding me through childhood, adolescence, college, beyond, parenting, marriage, singleness, jobs, loss. He, he is there, and he has this beautiful picture of who I'm going to be in his sight, and he is using it all. And so uh, in the email, I said it gives the Christians life work. It gives its purpose. It gives us a quest uh, each step of our life will then bring us greater and deeper love and worship and joy and peace. And, and we do that as a community, as, as, a, as a married couple, as a community, as a single person. This beauty of glorification is held in front of us. And glorification will be in a couple weeks. We'll get to that, that last and final phase. But this beautiful picture of glorification. Remember a couple weeks ago when I talked about the posters that my boy had in his room? You know, and I, I, I don't want you to be Eddie Vedder. If you could, you know, if you could sing like him, that'd be wonderful if you could do. But that's not, that's not who you're going to become. I don't want you to be Michael Jordan. You know, I, I want you to be Jordan Kuyper. And I want you to be a godly man. And I want you to pursue character and godliness. And I want the world to be blessed because you exist. Um, and so for the Christian, this picture of glorification, and I, I said sometimes I have felt like it's the proverbial donkey with a carrot in front of it, you know, like we're never going to quite get there, we're never going to be sinless, and, and if we look, if we look as human beings uh, too much at this, so you know yourself, some of you are more prone to feel this, maybe it's the Eeyore Christian, right? Uh, we feel this so much. And, and, and the hardest part of the gospel for us is accepting that we're forgiven, accepting that we're washed. Then we have, what would this Christian then? If this is Eeyore, who's this? Tigger, tigger. tigger right? We have the Tigger Christian. Yay! I'm a wonderful thing about a Tigger. Is tigger a wonderful thing, right? We're just so, Jesus loves me. Woo-hoo! You know, yep, I sinned against you. Sorry, it's taken care of. What? Right? So, Depending on what, what kind of person you are and what drives you, um, you'll need to personally structure my study, my worship. You know, I, 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 I may need uh, a look at this twice. And, and my boys don't mind me saying this, but, you know, so this is Jordan Kuyper and this is Luke Kuyper. 
Like I, I have two sons. Uh, Jordan feels his sin and failure, even as a little child, so, so deeply. I had to push him here all the time, all the time. Dad, I did this. Dad, I, you know, he would pull his hair out, you know, just, oh. Um, and Luke, Luke had such a wonderful view of how wonderful he was <laughs> that I had to always go here, you know. Hey, hey, son, you know, you failed here, you failed here, you failed. You know, hey, you, you, by the way, son, you do need a Savior. Just, just in case you were wondering, you do need a Savior. Um, so, anyway, sanctification then, it, it, we grow it, with the gospel growing. So that, that, that's just this beautiful part about it. We, we grow with the gospel growing, and so we don't grow and not need Jesus anymore. So a, as we become more what he has intended us to be, the, the tendency is to think, I'm not nearly as big a sinner, um, and uh, you know those people really need him. Um, and I, I'm just telling you, that's my personal experience, and I think I've told you this before. There's some Sunday mornings where I'm like, I'm sorry, Jesus, but I really need you today. <laughs> as if... He expects me to, to walk on my own, right? So we've come to part five, the cooperative work of God and man in sanctification. And so a lot of these things happen apart from us. But now when, when, a, when, a, when a person becomes a believer, when a person surrenders their life, you see, they have gone from being a, a slave to sin to freedom. So when Christians struggle with this idea of free will and God's commands, and why does he command us to do these things, you have to remember that free will truly comes to believers only. Non-Christians are slaves to sin. The Bible makes that so abundantly clear. You were dead in your trespasses and sin. What we studied in Romans, you've not only just turned your back on me, you've set up other ways of feeling good about yourself and being saved. You've set those up because you will have nothing to do with me because they are enslaved to their sin. Right? Scotty and I were talking about this. Why do people not get mad at atheists? Because atheists say, we're all a mess and it ain't your fault. You know, we're all a mess. We're trying to figure it out. It's your parents' fault. It's the, it's the political fault. Christians say, you're in trouble and it's your fault. <laughs> You're broken, and it's your fault. Pray that the Lord would rescue you. And so um, when we talk about sanctification, then uh, we have these freedoms. We have spiritual disciplines. And, and you've heard me say this so many times. We pursue God. We pursue righteousness, not so he loves us more. We pursue it so we love him more. And it, the, more, the more he takes of your heart and your soul and your identity, the more peace, the more security, the more you're able to just be wronged um, because you're not, you're not having your righteousness attacked. You're, you're firm in your foundation. The more that a, a person points out a, a failure of yours, you're less, less, I gotta go make an excuse for it. I have to compare myself to someone else. At least I'm not this person. At least I didn't do that. Um, so sanctification, then, it's an exciting work, and it's something that we will do for the rest of our lives. Right? It, it's, it's why we gather to worship. It's why we have communion, community to worship God, but we are sanctified. It, it's, it is this process. And so, uh, as in the cross chart, I expect that to happen over time. So God's role. Philippians 1.6, the apostle writes, I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work... 
So God, who, who reached out and rescued you and saved you, He will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. So you have uh, this assurance, the apostle says, that, that God is interested, He is guiding, He is directing, He has a plan for you. And it will probably look a bit like this. There will be great times, and then there will be times of rebellion and loss, stagnation. Um, but God has a plan, and He will work alongside of you. Uh, our role, uh, I put it in two ways there in your notes. There is a passive part to our role. Uh, and, and that passive part is to believe, to trust, to listen. We are to put our lives before the Word of God as if it was a mirror. We are to believe it. We are to listen. We are to trust. Um, it's not necessarily just to let go and let God um, but, but there is this letting go of my righteousness and believing and trusting in God. There is an active side to it. Um, there, is, uh, there, there are things that we do. So in Ephesians 4, which we've used kind of to talk about that order of salvation, verse 17, he says, I say this, I testify to the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do. Gentiles there meaning non-Christians. In the futility of their minds, they're darkened in their understanding. They're alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardness of their heart. They've become callous. They've given themselves up to sensuality. Greedy to practice every kind of impurity, but that's not the way you learned Christ. I love that phrase, and I've used that, you know, I've used that before, but to learn Christ, to understand Him. Um, assuming you've heard about Him and were taught in Him, put off your old self, which belongs to the former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. Be renewed in the spirit of your minds. Put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. And therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. So, I don't know, do I have this in your notes, the put off and the put on? Is that in there? Yeah, so I think it's, I mean, you can use that list of putting off as, as part of your, your quiet time, your prayer life. Falsehood, sinful anger, stealing, corrupt talk. But each of those things you put off, there's something to put on. Um, so you put off the falsehood and you speak truth in love. You put off sinful anger and you love for one another as yourself. You put off stealing and instead you labor so that you may give. You put off the corrupting talk and use your mouths for speech that builds up. We'll see that in Romans 3 this morning. We don't grieve the Holy Spirit, but we build others up and give grace to one another. Bitterness, wrath, and malice are confessed and we strive to be kind to one another. We don't slander, and we forgive as God in Christ forgave you. So um, I'll tell you, there, there are different, different systems of uh, kind of our end. So, you know, amongst Christians, there's that talk of a quiet time. It's funny. Uh, Tammy has just adjusted hers. <laughs> she finds if she gets up, puts on her makeup, and does some other things, changes a load of laundry, uh, that she knows her person, and she's like, uh-oh, I gotta go. <laughs> so now, the last couple of mornings, like, are you up? You know, she's like, no, I'm, I'm gonna stay in bed. 
until I spent time with the Lord. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make that the first thing because I, I, I need that before I walk into that environment. I, I need it. And, and if, I, if I get up, I'm going to see things that need to be done. And um, so I, I would say that for the believer, uh, your sanctification involves this. this. This is your responsibility to meet together, to have fellowship, Christian fellowship. To, to read and study the Word of God. If you need help with that, I can, I can give you guides on how to, how to do it, but, but to study and, and, and read the Word. And when you read the Word, to believe that that, that is li- God's living and active Word and it's speaking truth to you. And to hold yourself before it. And I, I have a couple of these worksheets that I used to give out to our students. Like, here, you know, here, here's the questions you ask of that text. Um, uh, so, Fellowship, reading of the word, and, and prayer, prayer and accountability, um, and you know, it, if you want to become a better leader, you read books on leadership. You go to a seminar on leadership. If you want to become a better basketball player, you save your money and you go to basketball camp. You put some time in. Uh, after school and after practice, you work on your weaknesses. You have to think of your Christian life as that. Um, and in our society, I think for maybe the last hundred years, it's been fairly easy to be a Christian. I have felt like the, the Christian life for many has been like a canal. And we just kind of paddle and we learn a few things and we might pull off and take a break. And now it's becoming more like a, a river that is going to push you downstream. And you just, you just can't be inactive. You just, you just can't sit at the sidelines and say, I've learned what I need to learn about God. I've, I've read the Bible. I've done this, and, and I'm good. You have to actively be pursuing a relationship with God because the temptations are going to be different. My, my grandkids are going to face different temptations than I did. I had no idea what I would face at 58. If you would have told me at age 16 or 18 or 30, that we would have a flood, a flood of hor- horrific stuff happening to middle school girls, <laughs> to our kids. I, I just no, no, no one's going to let that happen, right? No, no one's going to let a boy in a girl's bathroom. Like I would have just like that. That there's there's no way. We're we're, we're not going to have a, a flood of people who who don't think they are what they were created to be, right? So you don't know what you're going to face. Um, and so um, you, you work at it, and, and you need a coach. You need a coach. You need a small group leader, an elder, a pastor, brother, sister, someone that's ahead of you, usually someone that's older. You need them. You need to bring your life before them. Here's what I'm facing. Here's what's going on. Someone that has a history with the Lord. And, um, and to humble yourself before them. Um, the effects of sanctification. God's glory. You know, you never see, probably you never see a happier coach than when one of his players gets it. You know, we, and I think in teaching you call it the aha moment, don't you? Like, they figured it out, right? And, and you, I think it's, it's okay to think of God in that way. Like, we glorify Him when we believe in His gospel, when we forgive someone, not because they deserve it, not because they promise not to do it again, but we forgive them because we understand God's forgiven us. 
when we give and think, I, I used to hold on to my money because I was just so afraid, and we give. We give to somebody that doesn't deserve it. Our Father looks down, and He's glorified. And He's like, my children are getting it. They're trusting me. Um, God's glory for beauty, for peace, for joy, comfort, that we might bless the world. The motives for sanctification, and these are really important. Why, why do we care? Why do we put the, the work in when we're tired? Um, why do we do that? Um, because we love God. It is the love of God that compels us. I want to love you more. I want to know you more. Um, the scriptures say, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And again, those are simple truths, aren't they? The child says to their parents, I love you, I love you, I love you, and then goes completely against their, their, their desires. Um, you, know, you start to doubt that, right? If you love me, this is what it looks like. And, and so God is saying, if you love me and if you trust me, take this path of sanctification. I've laid it out for your good, for your glory, for your safety. Um, and we might have a clear conscience for God. Uh, that we would be a vessel fit for His service. Uh, that God would, would use us to spread His kingdom. Uh, a life that in front of unbelievers requires an explanation. I probably shared the gospel more as a sales manager uh, in a year than I did uh, the first two or three years of being a senior pastor. I shared it a lot as a youth pastor, but... Um, as a sales manager, I shared the gospel all the time because I'd hire people, like, what's your secret? You know, how did you go from being a warehouse delivery driver to being uh, the manager of the front range? How did that happen? Um, you're 21. How did that happen? Um, and I would take them to the Word of God. Um, so avoid God's displeasure and His discipline. Philippians 4 talks about that. God disciplines those He loves. And so the fear of God in, in, in a Christian's life is a fear of displeasing Him and a fear of His discipline. God is not mocked. You cannot hide from Him. It's an amazing thing. Once you're His, you can't hide. He will bring it out. Seeking heavenly rewards. The heavenly rewards are, are, uh, are this in, in front of the Father, being able to, to take the crowns, as it says in, in, in Revelation, and, you, and, and to cast them to Him. You know, to, to bring a gift to Him. Uh, angels glorify obedience. To have peace. And because we know God's commands are right. Sanctification. We spent three weeks on it. And uh, we will spend the remainder of our lives on it. Um, any questions? You know Rev rambles when he's been off for a couple of weeks. So. <laughs> Lots of time to think. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you for your word. And thank you, Lord, that you have given us not just a carrot, but really a beautiful identity. You've called us that already. You said it's secure. We are to act like you're a righteous children. And yet, Father, in this life, we pray that you would give us those moments where we are able to celebrate with you, with the angels in heaven, these victories these strongholds of sin and doubt that you have removed and that we trust your work in us, that it is all good. 
It is all for your glory. And to glorify you brings us the greatest joy. We pray that it would be so. In Jesus' name, amen.